presented by The Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. I'm Darren Millard, and this is In Goal Radio, the podcast. Today, we will chat with a world champion catching up with Joel Hofer, Team Canada, surprising everybody, especially after their second game and that round-robin defeat against Russia. That turned the tide because Hofer went in and he ran the table from there, and Team Canada comes home with another World Junior Championship. Then. We will also chat with another goaltender who is in the world of hockey, but on a different angle, and that is George Alves. He is working for the Carolina Hurricanes, and he is a guy that went into the goal. He actually played. The equipment manager was the emergency goaltender, and it was quite the experience as we bring in the co-founders of In Goal Magazine, Kevin Woodley and David Hutchison, and uh, Dave. Uh, let's just chat a little bit about uh, about last week's show and how smooth things went. Smooth and short. Wasn't it half our usual length? I really it enjoyed was. getting a chance to chat with you, Darren, and share my thoughts and ideas and hear from you as well. It was uh, it was kind of and, a refreshing week, wasn't it? And and your your segment with Cam, the questions for Cam, it was uh, succinct. It was insightful. I just wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed that segment. Oh, Thanks, Darren. I enjoyed the opportunity as well. It was a it was a really great experience, and and I enjoyed chatting with Cam. I should do that another time. Yeah, we sh- we should do that again. Oh, and here's Kevin Woodley. Kev, uh, how was your vacation? Does this mean I can go back to Maui, boys? Because uh, it was a hell of a trip. So if you don't need me, uh, flights leave twice a day. I'm out. Hey, uh, before we get uh, into this, and all kidding aside, you had a, a run in with a shark, like a real live shark in the water, face-to-face. It had, a, it had a, a jaw around your arm, and you beat it, and you, and you uh, let, it, let it go by fending yourself off with, with a, a, a trapper, right? Like, or a blocker? Which yeah. one was it? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a blocker. Or, or I just happened to have one swim by me and almost kill me, not because it was going to hurt me, because I'm pretty sure it was a reef tip. It was about a five-footer. Harmless little black tip reef shark, I think. But it didn't look so little. It came around the corner and almost killed me because my heart almost stopped because I am a giant chicken. And even when they're just that big, when they swim by you, and even though you know in your mind that they're, it's, it's harmless unless I go after it, like seeing that, that sort of dunna, dunna, that type of swim when they go by, man. Like, Was it playing the music? No, the music wasn't playing just in my head. Okay. Um, okay. But I couldn't hear it because of my heart was in my throat and pounding. So, and it actually swam underneath me. I came around a corner, was just sort of trying to swim under a little reef and see if there were some turtles there. And my wife and kids were actually above me snorkeling, didn't even see it. And it just came around the corner and all of a sudden it was there and it was swimming. And it was, uh, listen, it's not a big deal. Um, what, what, but- was the, what was the rest of the day at the aquarium like there, Woody? <laughs> nice bite me hutch you may you you go swimming at the aquarium but then you get arrested this is this is the real life aquarium <laughs> that happened in toronto where it the guy did. jumped into the shark tank not hutch uh, but well, it did i hope you uh i hope you had a good vacation and you, you are uh relaxed and you're fresh and you're ready to uh to close in as we close in on year two uh of ingol a radio the podcast uh i'm 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 looking forward to this i'm kind of kind of crazy eh, boys like this is this is the last like next one is 52 an entire year of podcasts this has been a remarkable journey and do uh, we get to do we get to pop champagne and celebrate new year's next week darn right (laughs) 
ginger ale, whatever. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. We get two New Year's for us. That's awesome. This has been a, this has been a hell of a run. And despite the fact you guys enjoyed yourself so much while I was gone last week, I am happy to be back and a part of it. Uh, a lot up at uh, Ingle Premium, and uh, I'm sure that uh, everybody over at the hockey shop uh, missed you greatly, Woody. Uh, they are doing a, uh, a barnstorming business right now. Yeah, I know. Um, hockey shop and, of course, thehockeyshop.com. Black Friday sale was extended to the 5th, but we're past the 5th now, so you've missed it. Uh, that said, there's always great deals at the hockey shop and great selection right now of Bauer Pro Returns. You can check those out on the website at thehockeyshop.com. If you check them out at THS Goal at both Instagram and on Twitter, you'll see that selection. I'm looking Lundquist, DiPietro, um, all kinds of names, Markstrom, Jari, Anderson, Reimer, uh, both Andersons. They've got a great selection right now on the website. Uh, Pro return sticks from Bauer. A uh, chance to get some unique patterns and some unique sizes uh, in some unique colors because they're all decked out in, you know, sort of those pro colors. So some bright yellows for Tristan Jari, who got a little illing new goal bump from B- new all-star, NHL all-star after joining us in the summer. There's, I see a couple of his twigs in here. So make sure you check them out at the hockey shop in person in Surrey, British Columbia, the outskirts of Vancouver, the suburbs. Or if you can't make it out in person at thehockeyshop.com, like I said, a really great selection of pro return sticks from Bauer. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Obviously, every time you go to the hockey shop or thehockeyshop.com, selections is seemingly endless. The options are endless. And the guys that will answer your questions about what fits your game, what you need. And I see you ask them one on uh, social media there, Darren, about which stick fits your game. Um, I I, I, I hope they responded the shortest one. Mini stick. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but of course you can talk to camp, talk to his crew down there. They don't just understand what gear to order. They understand what gear you need to order to play best. They are goalies. They have the same passion for the position that we have, that our listeners have, and they'll help you play it better with the right equipment. So check out the hockey shop in person, hockey shop source for sports in Surrey. And of course the hockey shop.com. I have a question. Yes, sir. Can you explain to everybody who is not uh, as embedded in this world as you guys are, what pro returns are? Yeah, well, Cam, actually, if you go back to last week, Cam gave a little bit of an explanation in the questions for Cam segment. So uh, should we tell people still or do we just have to go back to last week? I think Uh, you can still tell. so, So there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, sometimes a company might just be pitching a particular goaltender. So they'll send along something that they think will work with them. And then the goalie, maybe is like, yeah, maybe I want something a little different. Sometimes they're just testing new things and they send them along to, to try out. Cam mentioned, for example, some different grips, some different, uh, shaft diameters, some, uh, some different colorways. So there's a lot of different reasons that a pro might get um, a, a set of sticks or pads or gloves. Cause we've had some pro return gear come through here as well. And for one reason or the other, uh, they're not able to use what was sent in. So it goes back to the company and, and then distributed out to, to people like us. Yeah. I think there's uh we've talked about, uh, Thatcher Demko here in Vancouver. Uh, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to stick. He wants to switch or he has made the decision to switch to CCM sticks, but the equipment, the equipment guys that with the Canucks want him to play through his Bauer supply. I think at some point as he gets down to the last few, 
you'll see there's an example where those last that last batch of Bauer that they have in stock will probably end up in a pro return sale so he can make that transition into a stick. He just tried it and liked something different. And so there's another example of how you can end up with pro return merchandise on sale at retail. And why he would use the last batch of his or his Bauer stock is because that costs money. Yeah. Uh, teams don't want to give that away. Uh, they have to, it, it, teams just don't get all free gear. Uh, they have to pay for it uh, as well in certain situations, unless there's a uh, an endorsement deal there. So, okay, that I was just uh, well, hey, I, you guys. I, I think we even got, if there's an endorsement, even if deal, there's an endorsement deal, thing. it's it's one of the things about this industry. The equipment really? company, the equipment company, could be paying that goaltender to use their stuff, but the team still got to buy the supplies from the manufacturer. Mm. I did not know that. I thought uh, when there was an endorsement deal that there was a uh, it was tin roof. Hmm. Nope, something I may I never see- understand. That uh, doesn't quite it's jive. A, it's but, uh, a okay. unique industry. Let's put it that way. Hmm. So if I get a, if I'm endorsing a car, I still have to pay for the car. Uh, no, your employer has to pay for the car. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Well, as long hey, I'm all for it then. As long as I'm not paying for it, it <laughs> doesn't really matter to me. Uh, I also would Tristan Jari. I, you guys made me sound really smart around the rink this week because Jari and the Penguins rolled through Vegas, and Jari was the first star of the game. He was fantastic. Outdueled Mark Andre Fleury, and uh, I was uh, just discussing uh, a lot of the ins and outs uh, uh, of Jari, and uh, they were up uh, a goal late. And I had everybody ready because I thought Tristan was going to go for the net. Uh, he didn't get a chance, actually, but uh, but because we talked about uh, scoring a goal with him at uh, at uh, the summer and uh, the big uh, show in Vancouver. So uh, I thought that was that was pretty cool. Thank you. We are here to make you look smarter, Darren. That's for sure. And he just spent so much time with us. And I can't uh, I kept thinking last night uh, as I was watching him going like he was just one of us. Hanging yep. out in, in Vancouver. Attendee and, Fest. Uh, Attendee Fest. And, and here he is uh, on this incredible run. And he's going to uh, an NHL All-Star game. Hey, and uh, spe- speaking of going for the net, I think other than winning the gold medal, the most oh. exciting moment for us watching that gold medal game, when Hofer grabbed the puck and put it down and shot for the other end, Maddie and I both stood up and screamed. We were so excited and hoping it was going to hit hit the net. I mean... That was an incredible moment, but maybe mostly just for goaltenders. Ballsy. That was ballsy. I loved oh, it. I loved only it. Only up one goal. I, um, I'm not a real big believer in doing it with only up a goal. I, I'll be honest. It's a bit much. And who's, who's the dummy who interviewed him this week and didn't even think to ask about that? Um, I didn't talk to him. What do you talk to him? As soon as no. I hung up, I'm like, oh, I should have had that <laughs> oh, one. Oh, I know. The the problem you, uh, is quite often we interview guys and of course you have a, you know what's happening you have some time to to prep the interview and so on. I woke up in the morning and Joel sent me a note and he's just hey I got time right now and I can't sleep so how about we do it now so it just sort of materialized and I wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't as prepped as I should have been. Uh, welcome to the club of leaving the questions on the table. There You'll you get go. used to it after a while. We'll ask him uh, next time. Woody and I are really good at it. Yeah, it's kind of a dad move, if you ask me. It's a sign of yeah, senility. So oh, much a dad move. So many uh, signs of that. Yeah, you know what? You're just... Uh, get in line, boys. Yeah, yeah you're just uh, you're not as humble as, uh, as, as uh, good old Woody and I, are you? Just, just not quite there. No, no. Some, pretty some proud of myself. Lose that. Pretty proud uh, of myself and my role here as the founder of In Goal Magazine. I'm very <laughs> proud. Uh, we have uh, Joel Hofer and uh, and uh, that conversation between Hutch 
and the world champion coming up in a little bit. But uh, Woody, let's uh, let's set up your uh, your discussion with uh, George Alves, who is an equipment manager. So this qualifies as our gear segment this week, but he's also a goaltender. Yeah. So brought to you by the Hockey Shop and thehockeyshop.com, the gear segment this week. We decided to mix it up. We decided to give Cam a week off. Um, I'm not going to say it was related to having to deal with Hutch's questions last week, but he seemed to need a break. Uh, well played, so, well played. <laughs> so we decided to go a different route. Uh, and what better route to go? I'd actually been trying to set this up for a few weeks. I arranged it when the Hurricanes were in town here in Vancouver. Unfortunately, as we talk about with the equipment managers, they're so busy on a game day that he didn't really have time to talk to me while he was here. But we set it up for a practice day when he was back in Carolina. Uh, banked the interview this morning, and he's great. A lot of people are going to know uh, about George from his 7.6 seconds of fame. Uh, actually, you know, another friend of ours, uh, Eddie Lack, was injured, coming off a concussion, had some symptoms. I'd heard it was from a soccer game, maybe in the morning skate or something. Might have taken a soccer ball off the noggin. A little two-touch went wrong. Anyways, George ended up getting the call and being the emergency backup. And Bill Peters, the coach at the time, in a very nice gesture, although, as Jordan Sigalette pointed out later, not a legal gesture because it made Jordan Sigalette's 43-second career no longer the record. George now has the record for, so far, the shortest career in the NHL. Played the last 7.6 seconds of that game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and a really cool moment, not just because of the, all the work he does as the equipment manager, but because he is also a practice goalie for the Carolina Hurricanes. And so we talked about all of that. We also talked about the job and what it's like to be a goalie and how being a goalie benefits him in the role, working in the room as a trainer, as an equipment manager, and making sure the goalies are taken care of. Sorry, wait, 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 wait. Not, not a legal 7.6 seconds, you said? The emergency backup goaltender Needed by the injury? rules needs an injury injury to go in in order to go in. You cannot dress an emergency backup goalie and just decide to have that moment like the Hurricanes did. Now, I'm glad they didn't call it at the time. Oh, gosh, yes. Because it was an awesome moment. And we, if you've been around the team, uh, George joked that, you know, it took that 7.6 seconds to end up on the in-goal podcast. And I would suggest to you that if there had been an in-goal podcast before he got into a game, this is a guy we would have wanted as a guest. I love watching him practice. We've got some clips. We'll put it on our social media this week. Uh, he's just a great guy. And the guys in the Hurricanes room love him. Cam Ward talked to me a couple of years ago just how important he was to giving him breaks by going out there and taking practice shots. But it wasn't technically legal, as Siggy pointed out to us in his podcast interview at Tandy Fest during the summer. And the mm -hmm. following year, I believe it was the Philadelphia Flyers tried to do the same thing and the referee wouldn't let them insert their emergency backup goaltender. Wasn't an equipment manager, but there was a circumstance there where they wanted to get him in, and it wasn't allowed because the starter wasn't hurt. Ah, oh, you just fake an injury. That's all I do. I mean, I'm... What ref needs to be a party pooper like that? I mean, come on. I know, but let's not get distracted, okay? Can we hear from George? Because I just might go down a road here. Yeah, <laughs> and we don't want Dad going down a road, folks. You guys are going to walk the rest of the way home. Uh, here's uh, George Elves uh, discussing, discussing equipment, discussing goaltending, and discussing life as a guy that works 24-7 around the room. George Elves on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by Source for Sports Surrey, the hockey shop, thehockeyshop.com.
All right, I'm excited for this one. I talked about doing this uh, a couple of years ago with him. We didn't actually have a podcast there. Now we now we do. Uh, and and so excited to welcome to the Ingle Radio podcast for the first time, George Alves, the equipment manager of the Her- Carolina Hurricanes, and a guy who a lot of you will know from his NHL debut on New Year's Eve 2016. Now we're going to get into a lot more than that. Obviously, we're going to talk about the life of an NHL equipment manager, uh, and, and and George is a unique one because he gets on the ice and helps the Carolina Hurricanes in practice as a goaltender. Uh, but let's start with the debut. What was that like uh, your entire day? Eddie Lack takes, a, I think it was a soccer ball um, in the pregame warm-up, and all of a sudden you're signing a contract as an NHL goaltender and still doing your day job, sharpening skates and doing all the work behind the scenes as the game is going on. What was that, what was that one like for you? Uh, well, it was pretty interesting. Uh, first of all, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I'm a big fan of the uh, Ingle magazine and uh, um, been looking forward to talking to you guys um, about my experiences. Um, yeah, that, that day was, was pretty interesting. Uh, so he was battling some concussion uh, issues. Um, he skated that morning. Uh, it, was, uh, uh, it, it was a weird situation where uh, he seemed to be fine. We actually walked back to the hotel together. Um, joking around and, and stuff like that for uh, for lunch and and before I knew it, it was about uh, an hour or two later. Um, I got a phone call saying, you know, he was he was feeling some uh, um, some symptoms and uh, and he wasn't going to be able to go tonight and and that they were looking for a goalie and and I and I would might maybe be it. Um, kind of weird because I've been with the organization for a long time and and uh, skated with the team for for several years and. And I always kind of had, you know, that in the back of my mind, or what if this happened? What if that happened? Would I ever get a chance to, to suit up uh, with the team? And, and uh, never really thought it was going to happen um, until that day when, even when I was told that it might be me, I was kind of like, okay, well, they'll figure out a way to get our, you know, one of our minor league guys called up. Uh, no big deal. It's just a precaution. And and they're going to let the equipment guy know anyways, because, uh, uh, you know, we have to, get stuff ready for whoever's coming in. Didn't happen this time. Now, New Year's Eve probably yeah. didn't help in terms of getting a guy in. Um, so when you realized it was you, I think we see, we see we do see a lot of, you know, e-bug emergency backup goalie situations around the league that pop up here and again. But we haven't really talked to one in terms of what's the process like? You're signing the contract. Like, can you walk our listeners through what that's like once they decide that, that you're going to be the guy that night? I think it was in Chicago. Um, it was actually, uh, it was in Tampa Bay. Dope. Um, and it was, it was kind of weird. Um, and, and I think my situation is a little bit different being that, uh, I am with the team all the time and, uh, um, you know, and I'm an employee of the team. So, uh, it was a little bit different cause I, I came, you know, I came into the arena at the same time as I would normally, uh, for, for the game. Only this time, uh, I was greeted by our, uh, um, team services guy and it was kind of like oh hey you know this is it looks like you're going and and here's the contract and he kind of just put his phone in my face and said just sign right here <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was weird because I signed with my finger you know on, on the phone screen and and uh and I was like all right this is really happening um and then the weird thing is you know we always keep um our extra jerseys our you know our minor league guys and, and call-ups and and just in case of trades and whatnot but I I hadn't realized that uh, that 
Bob Gorman, our my uh, my colleague, had actually had a nameplate done up for me just in case um, the situation happened. So uh, for me to come kind of around the corner after getting interviewed by uh, you know our Fox Sport people and and stuff to see my name on the jersey and I, and I had kind of nothing to do with it, you know. I was just like, whoa, this is weird. It's really happening. Like uh, it was a nice surprise, you know. And so and of course all your gear is there. Because yeah. you, you bring it with you on the road because you serve as a practice goalie or you work as a practice goalie, help the guys out, help give the, whether it's a starter or the backup, give them a break, get out there late in practice and take reps. I've seen it. Um, you are a braver man than I just standing in there for all those howitzers. And <laughs> what, so how does that evolve for you? I remember, I think the nickname the coach at the time had for you was, uh, I think he called you Little Wardo because uh, Cam yeah. Ward was the number one goaltender there. Uh, a term of affection, obviously. What's that gig like? And obviously it helps when you got your own gear and you're ready to go as the emergency backup that night. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, that's kind of how I got my foot in the door with the organization to begin with. Um, I remember okay. it was, uh, uh, I was at the practice rink and, and somebody told me it was during that, that lockout and they were unsure if uh, if their goaltenders were coming in and whatnot, and, but they still had some guys skating and, and they kind of approached me and said, hey, uh, if you want to suit up with these guys? I was like, heck yeah, I do. And uh, before you knew it, I was kind of in there every day and I was skating with the guys. And um, and that's a, that was kind of a, a transition for me because I, I started learning more about the uh, the equipment manager side as well, um, kind of just being around the, um, the guys. At the time, it was Wally Tadamer was one of the equipment managers. And and uh, I just remember seeing all, all the workings of it. and, and and realize I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. I mean, I, as you know, goaltenders, we're it's pretty big with uh, with equipment, and uh, we like to fix our own stuff. We like to um, adjust and and mess around with our our gear all the time. And and I was no different. So I kind of saw that. I'm like, oh, this is you mean this is a job where I can do this for other people as well and make sure they're comfortable and they they've got what they need. So um, it was kind of a a no brainer for me. I was like, oh, you know. Maybe one day after I play, um, you know, maybe this is the route that I want to go in. And, uh, and it just kind of worked out that way. And just the simple fact that I get a chance to, to still continue to skate with the team and, and help them out in that way, you know, for me, it feels like I kind of made it. Um, you know, I'm not an NHL goalie by any means, but I get to put on the sweater and skate with the, the best players in the world um, on a daily basis. And to me, I feel like, you know, I made it. So, uh, you know, blessed to be able to do that and still have, uh, you know, have my regular job where I get to, you know, assist these guys and make sure that they have everything they need. And, um, you know, in that aspect. So now you started, you started Oh three Oh four with the hurricanes kind of as an assistant equipment manager. Was that a full-time gig? Cause when I look at the hockey DB, you've still got some appearances. Obviously we should probably say like, you played at a, obviously played at a high level to be able to do this. Uh, went to North Carolina State University after uh, serving in the military as a Marine. But you started with the Canes, I think it says, as an assistant. But then from 04, 05 to 06, 07, you also played games in the SPHL, ECHL. Um, were yeah. you still trying to make it minor pro or were those more fill-in situations as well? Because it's kind of a game here and a game there. And then full-time with yeah. the Hurricanes in 12-13. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where I was still I was still learning the business. 
Um, okay. I, I wasn't, uh, I, like you said, I was, a, I was a part-time guy, almost like an intern. Um, so I was helping out working, um, working with the hurricanes, but at the same time, I, I was still pursuing, um, a playing career. Um, I was just learning about this whole e-bug thing. And with, with my, my background, you know, I, I, I served in the U uh, S Marine Corps, which didn't have a hockey team. Um, so it was kind of hard for me to get my foot in the door, um, in the minor league ranks without having played junior hockey or, or even college hockey at the time. Um, basically took a four year, uh, break from hockey after high school to serve in the military. And then once I got out of the military, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, the fact that I was, uh, kind of around an NHL team and, uh, and was able to kind of be around professional athletes. It, it helped me learn how to be, um, you know, that athlete, I guess that I needed to be to, to try to make it. Um, so once I started hearing about the, these e-bug situations and, and these free agent camps, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to try to try to make it. And, and anytime I, uh, I saw an opening or, or, uh, an injury or, or there was a free agent camp or something going on, I tried to jump on it immediately. Um, and it made it a little bit easier. The fact that I wasn't a full-time employee with the hurricanes, I was basically, um, you know, helping out and, and trying to learn that side of the business and obviously trying to be around, uh, people that I wanted to be more like, um, then I was able to go off and, and do that, whether it be a two month stint in, in Charlotte with the checkers, uh, in the East coast league, or it might be a two week stint with, um, you know, Bloomington Prairie Thunder of the, uh, I think at the time was the Central League. It just, it kind of just, that's how it went. Um, and goalies out there, you know, there's a, you know, you have a passion for something and, you know, some people may think it's crazy to, to stand in front of, you know, blistering shots all the time. But for me, it's, I loved it, you know, and I still do. So I just did whatever I could to try to get there. And, uh, uh, and get seen. Um, didn't always work out for me, uh, considering, you know, I, di- I was not signed by, a uh, an NHL team or an American league team. So it was, it was kind of tough to, to keep jobs. Um, but you know, I just, I kept at it. I kept at it. I, uh, um, and I got a lot of, a lot of words of encouragement from, from certain coaches and stuff around the leagues and said, you know, just, just keep going. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna end up signing somewhere. Uh, I believe it. And, and sure enough, you know, e-bug assignments turned into, um, you know, contracts, whether it be short or a, a few months long. And, uh, and then before you knew it, I was getting traded, uh, cause guys, uh, teams were, were kind of seeing a value in me and, and, uh, you know, instead of just letting me go, they were like, you know what, we may, we might be able to get something. There's three other teams looking for them right now as an e-bug. Uh, maybe we can trade them or get something out of it. So, um, so it's pretty interesting. I, there's a ton of stories with kind of my adventures through the East Coast League and Southern League and stuff um, that were, you know, it, it was fun. It was, it was uh, uh, educational. Um, you know, I kind of wish I could still do it. Unfortunately, with my position now, I do have uh, uh, a lot of responsibilities and and, and uh, commitments to um, to our organization now. So I'm not able to do that, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm still living the dream, still can suit up and get out there and practice with the guys regularly. 
Well, and I, and you talk about seeing value and those teams seeing value in you as you were pursuing your career still. I know for a fact that the Carolina Hurricanes goalies see value in the role you play, helping them out in practice, suiting up and getting out there. It's, it's frankly, it's something I've talked about. You're, you're kind of my, you're my role model for this. Uh, I think NHL teams at a time when we talk about the need to back off workload and you know, you know as well as I do that not all practices are good for goalies. A lot of times, these guys are just out there. You know, uh, you know, it's almost like target practice. Um, yeah. The I, the concept of a practice goalie. Have you talked? Have the guys talked to you? Because I know they've talked to me. I remember talking to Wardo about it. Uh, you know, late in his career, and just how how valuable that is to have a guy that hey, they don't have to stay out there for every rep. Um, they can maybe get off a little early and start getting ready for the game the next night because they know they have you and they know they can trust you to go in there and, and work as hard as you do and give the shooters a challenge so the other guys can stay out there and skate and not feel like they're getting slighted. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. Um, I've kind of always looked at it as uh, kind of the bullpen catcher. Um, you know, those are the guys that don't really get to play in the games, but they're pretty crucial and essential for the organization to get the, the pitchers ready to go uh, during the game. Um, so whenever somebody asks me about it, I kind of, I kind of tell them, Hey, you know, it, it's kind of like that scenario, that situation. I'm kind of the bullpen catcher. Uh, I'm not going to play in a game, even though I did get put in <laughs> in one game, right. uh, but I'm not going to play in the game, but I'm kind of there to, to help the guys get prepared um, to play, um, you know, and, and talking about it, kind of helping out the goaltenders, um, I've had a lot of players um, approach me and thank me for, for going out and staying those extra reps just because normally they'd be shooting at an open net. Um, and in most cases, uh, whether it's after practice or if it's an injured guy, uh, you know, getting ready to come back, they, they appreciate that because they may not be working as hard, you know, to shoot at an open net as they would um, with the competitiveness of having a goaltender there stopping the puck or, you know, um, or scoring and getting them past that goaltender. So it kind of goes both ways um, with both guys. I, I think it helps the goaltenders, and I think it helps the, the players as well. Um, so it, it boils down to anything that I can do to help out the team um, and, and make everybody better, um, then that's what I'm there for. Yeah, and I've seen you snap that glove. There's no cheap ones by you, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> the uh, it, Talk a bit about the role f- for me, George. Um, the, the equipment manager side of things and the benefits, as you said earlier, you know, growing up a goalie, stitching up our own gear, knowing the equipment. I mean, you know, for a lot of these guys, although sometimes I, you know, increasingly I see young guys that I ask them about their gear and they tell you, I don't know, I just play them what they send me. But for the most part, there's still that passion for it. Um, how does it help to be a guy who understands that, who knows the gear? Is their relationship sort of stronger, I guess, with their equipment company reps, or because you play the position, are you in on those conversation on setups and things like that? How does how does the day to day look as well as an equipment manager in the National Hockey League? Yeah, well, it, it's just like you said. It's it's the experience of actually wearing the stuff, um, knowing how they feel. Um, so immediately when a guy comes off and he's like, "Hey, this strap is not working out," you know, something my pad keeps rolling over. I already know exactly what he's talking about because I've I've felt it before. Um, you know, and then with the, with the new gear, the way it's coming out, you know, it's always evolving. It's always changing. So to be able to, to relate and know, okay, that's what he's feeling. I, I know exactly what he's talking about. Um, it, it's a huge help. It's a huge help, uh, especially on a, on a day-to-day basis too, where, 
you know, if, if a guy comes to me and he's like, um, actually timing wise as well, if a goalie comes off, off the ice, you know, Bob or Skip, but they'll immediately kind of, you know, shun me over to them because they know, okay, I, I have an idea already right before he gets to me just by watching him what the problem might be and I'll be able to, to resolve it pretty quickly. Um, I've had a few situations too where, you know, the, a rep might come in to, to talk to one of the guys and, um, and we're, we're kind of bouncing ideas back and forth over this, this new pad design or something. And it was funny because um, I was kind of going over something with, uh, uh, with Rhymes earlier and, and Max, our bar rep, was like uh, kind of sitting back and he's like, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? Like the way yeah. I was trying to explain the new pad, it was just something that I was used to and I, that I knew. And he was like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. You're right. You know, that's, that's why we did it this way, you know? So I, I think it helps in, in all aspects as far as um, the fact that, you know, I, I'm also wearing the gear, uh, you know, the guys are um, can kind of relate or I can relate to what they're, they're talking about when they're, you know, they've got an issue or something like that. So, I think that helps. If that, that makes sense. I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but uh, I'm just thinking of different scenarios and different situations that um, have come up just recently that um, gets kind of a, a quicker response, I think, just because um, I, I have an idea of what they're feeling or, or, uh, or have repaired stuff myself um, to make myself feel more comfortable in my gear. Um, so it works out. What about from an ordering perspective? Is that pretty much between them and, and the gear rep? Or how, what kind of a role does an NHL equipment manager, you know, if you can share any of those details, like, you know, how many sticks does a guy go through? How many sets of gear? And I know it depends from guy to guy, and it's a wide variation depending on their preferences. Do they like it to break down and get soft? Do they want it to stay stiff? Yeah. Um, what, what's that like for you? Where, what's the, you know, how involved are you in, in that process? Yeah, that, that's actually part of the thing as well is knowing these guys, uh, knowing what they like, what they don't like, uh, their tendencies. Um, you know, we've, we've got, uh, Peter Morazic, for instance, he's a very out of the box goalie. Like he loves to get gear brand new out of the box can play that night with it. No problem. Uh, whereas James takes a little bit longer. Um, you know, he likes to kind of feel it out. He likes to, uh, you know, to, to wear it several times before he, he commits to it in the game. And that's, those are just tendencies. Everybody's different. Everybody likes things certain ways. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm no different as well. Uh, but that's, you know, you'll have conversations with them about certain things. Um, I've even been approached, uh, you know, by my colleagues and stuff saying, does, does he really need stuff right now? You know, they'll, they'll ask me be like, Hey, you know, he's asking for a new set right now. Do you think, is that something he needs right now? Really? Or, or is that just, you know, and ultimately, it boils down to whatever he's comfortable in. Um, you know, if, if Peter's comfortable in brand new gear, that's not broken in, that's what he's comfortable in. That's how, that's when he's going to perform his best is because he's comfortable. Um, so, you know, those are the things that, uh, with all the athletes that you think about, you know, you're like, okay, well, he likes, you know, he likes his gloves and his, uh, uh, and the glove dryer. Um, some goalies, uh, will throw, uh, don't want to change gloves during the game. You know, some guys will, will change gloves, have three sets of gloves and they'll change gloves. Everybody's different. Um, uh, and those are the tendencies you start learning about these guys. And, you know, and it's like you're with them every day, all the time. Um, and you learn those things just like they're your own tendencies. 
Um, and you know, that's, that's how it works out. It's part of the job. No, I was going to say too, you'd have to be able to recognize not just when he needs something new, but weeks in advance when, when, when you're going to hit that window, when he's going to need something new, because the reality is even at the NHL level, you don't snap your fingers and this stuff appears overnight. It has to be manufactured. It has to be shipped to K Whitmore in Toronto to be signed off on, make sure the measurements are fine before it gets to you. So you've got to kind of anticipate when that guy's going to say, Hey, I'm ready for a new set of gear. Because uh, if you place that order when he says that, it's probably too late. Yeah, you do have to anticipate, but at the same time, um, communication's key. Um, so as long as you're talking to the guys and, and you kind of know, that's the thing. I'm almost going to already know, okay, he's going to want another set here coming soon. Uh, playoffs are going to start. Obviously, we're going to go with another set there. Um, right. But then you get thrown cur- curveballs from time to time. All of a sudden, he gets a sample and and he really likes a sample of whatever it might be. Um, and, and before you know it, he's, he's switching and, you know, whether it be a stick or, or skates or whatever, and you're like, Oh crap, I already have, you know, inventory of that. And you make it work. You just figure out a way to make it work. Ultimately, ultimately, ultimately it's making the guy comfortable so he can perform at his, at the highest level. Um, and that's, that's my job. That's my role. That's, that's that's what I do on a daily basis is make sure they're ready to go um, at all times. Okay, now speaking of being comfortable, we're going to wind this right back to where we started. We never got to the game itself that night on December 16th, New Year's Eve in Tampa Bay. Corrected me, my, my mistake on... I don't know why I had Chicago in my mind, George. But during the game, Wardo's playing. You're fully dressed as the backup, but you're still... Do- what was that What was that day like? What was that... Or not the day so much, but the game. Once we get into game situation, what was warm-ups like? What, what was it like to be out there? You've done it before in practice, but it's different yeah. when it's under the bright lights and, the, and, and time. You know, it's, it's a game. It's, it, this is the show. You're in the show. Yeah. It, you know what? I really didn't think about that too much. Um, as far as, you know, with the warm-ups and everything, it was... I was so used to skating with the guys all the time. It was just, everything seemed a little bit brighter though. You know what I mean? Like, it, you know, with the uniforms and everything else. TV lights. Yeah. So, it, so in that aspect, yeah, it was different. Um, but you know what? It, it was, there was still a level of comfort there. Like it's, it, it's weird to explain. Cause it was like, uh, you know, for me, it's different than, than it would have been for someone, uh, the way it's set up right now to where, you know, they have, um, they have guys in every city kind of on standby. Right. They, don't, they don't have the opportunity of skating with the team on a regular basis. They haven't been with the team for 16 years like I had. So for me, it was kind of, you know, I wasn't nervous. It was just, okay, I guess I'm doing this today. This is bonus, you know, awesome. <laughs> um, and, you know, and in my mind, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not playing in the game. You know what I mean? Like you always want to be prepared and ready to go. But at the same time, I felt like, if I had to, I was ready because I've been skating all along. Right. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that, uh, that fear of, Oh crap, what's going to happen? You know, whatever. It was just like, okay. But then I also had a job to do. I also had to be an equipment manager. Um, and you know, for me, that kind of was important to me because I was like, okay, I'm not going to drop everything I'm doing you know, the fact that I'm suited up, I had done it in the past with, you know, in the minors as well. You know, the fact that I'm suited up isn't going to change me going back and sharpening somebody's skate. It's not, 
stopping me or impairing me from doing it. So why would I change that? Um, so I just kept on, kept that mind frame too. So I was like, okay, if I have to go in, you know, I have to go in and, and that's great. But I also need to make sure that this guy's skates are sharpened when they, when he loses a wheel, you know? So, um, it wasn't really until the end of the game, uh, when I was getting up to get ready to go back, uh, Wardo had been pulled. So he was on the bench with me now because we were, we were down, uh, I believe it was three to one. Yep. And he was on the bench and I remember looking up at the clock and, and thinking, okay, there's no time left. I might as well just, you know, head back so I can get changed and, you know, and get these bags starting to roll out, you know, and load it up onto the truck. And then, uh, and then coach kind of poked his head around Wardo and was like, get your stuff on. And I had already put my mask back in the locker room and everything, you know, kind of what? Okay. Like there's only at the time was seven seconds left. I was like, what? So just threw it on. And it wasn't until I got actually on the ice and stood there, looked up at the, at the scoreboard that I realized there's still time on the clock. This is going to count as a game. You know what I mean? Like you made the you NHL. Know, so, yeah, so I was like, this is pretty cool. The fact that it was down at the other end, and you might see some uh, some old interviews of me saying, uh, you know, keep it down at that end. You know, obviously, it would have been nice to get a you know a shot or a breakaway on that one that I could have stopped and had a fame to claim. But, um, but yeah, I mean, even the way it went, just the fact that I got to stand out there and, and you know, kind of soak it all in for a second, um, that was really cool. You know what I mean? Um, kind of it's it certainly changed my life. Uh, I wouldn't be talking to you. I don't think, uh, if, if that didn't happen. Uh, but for me, I didn't think it was going to have the effect that it did. Um, for years I had been skating with the team and never really got with the exception of local press, um, never really got, you know, interviewed or, or approached about me skating with the team until after that happened. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was mail from around the world. It was, uh, TV interviews. It was, <laughs> you know, NBC had, uh, had, uh, made a trip to my house and did an interview. And I was like, Whoa, Whoa, what's, you know, what's happening here? Like it was, you know, obviously it was a big deal because I got my debut in the NHL, but at the same time for me, I was like, it was just seven seconds. And I didn't really have to do anything. So, <laughs> so it was pretty, you know, it was interesting. It was different. It was neat. Um, and, you know, and I enjoyed every last second of it. <laughs> and it was well-deserved, George. I, you know, having talked to the guys over the years about all the work you do for them, not just as an equipment manager, but like I said, the practice stuff. I'd like to think that if we'd had a podcast even before you got into that game, we would have definitely had you on because I've always enjoyed the interactions when the Carolina Hurricanes come to town here in Vancouver. And uh, I've taken up, as I always do with our guests, more time than I promised. Uh, it's a practice day for you. I know you've got lots going on. Not sure if you're going to head on the ice today, but I know it's a busy day nonetheless. Thanks for spending 25 minutes with us, and thanks for sharing the story. And if you don't mind, we might hit you up again, because like I said, uh, just the insights into the the job and, and what it's like back there, like beyond getting into the game, uh, those are things that I know our listeners are really going to appreciate and enjoy, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share them. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. That was fun. Like, there's a guy that can talk any part of the game. I, I know our focus is on goaltending, but uh, but George, he can go every which way. He 
probably one of the more knowledgeable people in and around the, and there's scouts and there's general managers who know that kind of thing. But boy, when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the game, not many people can balance uh, the knowledge of goaltending and being a skater at the same time. Cam might be in a bit of trouble here because I could imagine an Ask George segment coming up. Kind of mm. rolls off the tongue, eh, boys? It does, um, doesn't it? And, and, you know, I didn't get a chance to ask him. Um, we could probably, we could have, like, you got that sense, eh? We probably could have talked for an hour. And, well, hey, I know you guys would say. Totally. Could, and the, and then an George could have had a chance and, to answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good to be back. Um, yeah. And, honestly, uh, I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I read in one of the stories that, like, I know he was a really good goaltender, played, uh, I think it was North Carolina State, but that was after he did his four years in the Marines. And when he enlisted, he actually had offers and his parents kind of held the offers back from him to go to school to play goal because they didn't want him to second guess the decision he'd already made to enlist and, and be in the Marines. So he's oh, a really, yeah, he's a, I read that. I didn't have a chance to ask him about it, but I mean, he's a fascinating guy. I can tell like, again, uh, Bill Peters used to call him mini Wardo or little Wardo and just absolute term of endearment. The, the work he does going in there, and being a practice goalie, and, and maybe I'm biased towards this because I've advocated for practice goalies for a long time. I think number one goalies especially can waste a lot of time in drills that really don't do them any good as a goaltender and waste a lot of energy in them. And having a guy uh, like George around to be able to take those reps is so can be so valuable. And the players who have been in that room with him, the goalies, agree completely. So uh, fun interview. We'll have to have him back on again. I think actually the Carolina Hurricanes this Friday, he was telling me, He's got a busy week coming up um, because they've got their Hartford Whalers jerseys on Friday and not every stick and not every goalie got a set of pads like Mrazek has his from last year. But if 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 I remember correctly, Reimer doesn't have gear coming in and Mrazek took his mask home from last year and forgot to bring it back. So they actually have to probably wrap a mask for Mrazek to make sure he matches on Friday night for the one night they're going to wear the, he has his old gear still, but black and red doesn't ex- exactly match uh, Hartford Whalers gear. So George has got his work come out, cut out for him this week, making sure with some pad wrap and some pad skins uh, that everybody looks the part in that Whaler stuff. But there's no FedEx in Raleigh. That's exactly what I was thinking. How long like, would it take to ship that mask? From the Czech Republic? I guess maybe, you know, it's maybe they realized late. Um, you know, it's funny. We, again, we talked about it, right? People are like, oh, just get some, just get a set of pads. But they're playing one. Yeah. And the team right. has to play, pay for the pad. And it, yeah, it's the NHL. And so he's going to do everything he can to make sure it looks good with, you know, using the, what he has in front of him. But not every team's going to buck up three or four huh. grand for a set of pads to wear one night. I remember in Vancouver when Eddie Lack played in the Heritage Classic and that beautiful Brian setup in the maroon Vancouver Millionaires. There was some back and forth and some debate because the Canucks didn't want to, they didn't think he was going to start. Ironically, uh, he ended up starting. They didn't want to really buck up for a set of pads that was going to be worn for one game. Eddie never oh, that got. Was, that was karma that came back yeah, to get well, them, and, wasn't it? And they <laughs> did. And Eddie never, Eddie actually never got to keep the pads. I still see them at Rogers Arena. There's a practice goal every once in a while for the Trainers Hockey League skate that goes out in that gear that bought it. Because the Canucks didn't want, they wanted to recoup their costs. Eddie would have had to purchase it himself, but he wanted to keep it. Well, that's funny you bring that up because I chatted with Malcolm Subban about his World Junior set because Joel Hofer, 
got to keep his mask. And I said, what, uh, what about you? And he said, nope, everything went back. And he said, somebody in Boston has it. And when he went through, he, he originally went to the hockey hall of fame. He, uh, he said, and then somebody in Boston ended up with it and, uh, uh, he ended up, uh, being requested to sign it and, and he signed that stuff. So, uh, Joel Hofer, this might be something new that they've uh, done lately, but, uh, he should feel really lucky that he got to keep his gear. While we talk about this, your, your partner in crime there, Darren made some headlines here in Vancouver. And I actually knew about this back in the summer, but hadn't really talked about it publicly, but when he went through that crazy year last season where the senators traded him to the Canucks while they were in the same building. This is Mike McKenna, right? Mike McKenna. He never got his Jersey from the Vancouver Canucks. I actually, their their equipment staff swears and I trust them. They're good people. They thought they'd given it to him. That's what they said, but somehow he didn't get it. It ended up in the team sales store store. And so there's a collector out there that has it and a collector that bought it specifically because it is such a unique piece. He only spent mm-hmm. two days with the team and Ward on the bench for two games, uh, but he doesn't have it and he can't get it unless that collector decides to have a change of heart and part with it at a reasonable price. Mike McKenna, you know, he's still looking for that jersey and it's kind of come up here locally online. So I think there's these discussions with equipment managers and how these things work behind the scenes and the fact they do have to adhere to a budget. Um, not all of them are willing to be as open about it as George was and, and share some of those details, but anyone that is, uh, we sure appreciate it because I think it gives us a glimpse into how this world works. Well, then Joel Hofer uh, really came out of this uh, smelling like a rose because <laughs> he gets to keep his gear. He gets to keep his uh, gold medal and he has the memories of a world championship where he came off the bench and secured and settled down a team that was in the midst of uh, a real situation after the Russian game. And he ran the table. Here is Joel Holfer in conversation with David Hutchison on In Goal Radio, the podcast. We are here with uh, Joel Holfer, world champion goaltender from the Canadian uh, Junior National Team at the recent World Championships. And Joel, you had a fantastic performance. How are you feeling now that you're home? Yeah, I'm feeling nice. I mean, obviously, um, you know, it's been a crazy, you know, couple, 24 hours, so. Um, yeah, it's definitely nice to get home and kind of get settled in and, um, you know, kind of, kind of come into reality on, you know, what's, uh, you know, what's kind of happened over, over the last couple of days. So take, take me back to, to this summer. Cause you weren't even invited to one of the hockey Canada camps. How are you feeling then? And, and what happened over the last few months that opened this door for you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, um, you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, I wanted to be invited to, you know, that camp, but. Um, obviously at the same time, um, you know, not getting invited kind of, kind of set a, you know, kind of set a spark in me and, um, kind of motivated me more to, you know, push and, um, you know, a big, big thing for me was just that, uh, you know, just that that's not the final, you know, the final decision, right. There's always, there's always time to, um, you know, kind of show what you're, what you're about. And, um, I think just, um, me going into Portland, just playing, playing one game at a time. And, um, I think the rest will take care of itself. So. Kind of, kind of a recurring theme for you, the underdog. I mean, I, I yeah. read a story that your first year Bantam, you were playing double A, yeah. weren't drafted into the Western Hockey League. What, what's that whole ride been like for you? Yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, obviously, um, you know, growing up, I didn't play triple A until I was, um, I think, 16, right? So, um, you know, I was always, I was always kind of a, you know, a late bloomer in a sense, but, um, you know, that kind of, kind of, you know, always motivated me to be better and, um, you know, I always wanted to, you know, play on the highest stage and, 
um, I think just, uh, you know, just, uh, it just goes to show that, you know, with hard work and, um, you know, if you're really dedicated to something and, um, you know, you truly want to, you know, get there and, um, you have goals and, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it'll, it'll work out for you in the end. So. So what's your, what's your support network been like growing up? Who are the folks that really gave you that strength to keep pushing? Cause that's gotta be tough as a youngster. Yeah. My parents for sure. I mean, um, you know, they've been there for me ever since, uh, you know, I, I laced on the, you know, the skates. So, um, you know, they've always, you know, they've always made huge sacrifices for me and, um, yeah, with, uh, you know, just with, uh, you know, driving me to the rink early in the morning. And, um, I know when I was, when I was 15, they, you know, they made a huge sacrifice for me to, um, you know, move to Kelowna and, um, you know, it was a really good opportunity for me there. So, um, but yeah, my parents, were that's the, there. uh, Sorry, Kelowna, that's the Pursu- yeah, that's Pursuit of Excellence, Excellence Academy. Yeah, exactly. I was there for two years and, um, you know, that's kind of kind of where I started off. And, um, you know, it was a really good, really good two years for me. Fantastic. Um, all right. So now now let's head over to Europe. And and what, what was that like? You were there early getting ready for the tournament. Yeah, it was. When, when did you arrive? Yeah, uh, obviously, we brought we brought over three goalies there. So, um, you know, going in there, none of us knew knew what the situation was. Um, you didn't know who was starter, who was, you know, who was backing up or whatever. But um, I think just going into that, just uh, for me, just, uh, you know, go, go out there and have fun. And, um, you know, it's once in a lifetime opportunity, right? So, um, you know, the other biggest thing for me, it was just that, um, you know, just to be on that team was, um, it was really a dream come true. So um, I know just whatever moment, uh, whatever moment or, um, you know, position I would be in, I would be, you know, just really grateful for it. So when you were growing up, you know, everybody's had that road hockey Stanley Cup moment where we're yeah. pretending. Did did you visualize the World Juniors as a kid? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, you know, ever since I was a kid, I mean, I think every, every uh, you know, hockey kid, um, you know, always, always watched the World Juniors. And um, yeah, it's just really, really remarkable. I can't really you know, put it into words. I mean, um, you know, everything's kind of happened, you know, really quick within a month. And, um, you know, it goes by really quick, but. Uh, you know, it's definitely a, you know, a month I'll never forget the rest of my life. That's awesome. So, so you're over there. Um, when, when did you get the tap on the shoulder for, for the first game you got to start? Um, well, we started out against USA and then, um, I, I backed up for that one and then we played Russia and I, I also backed up for that one, but, um, I got put into that game, um, right. you know, about, I think it was the first couple minutes in the second period. Um, but yeah, I think. I think that was the first um, first time I went in there, and um, I think my mentality was just you know go in there and um, you know have fun. And it's you know it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and um, you know whatever happens happens, and um, just make the most of it. And uh, I think I think just going out there, you, don't, you know, just playing your game, don't change a thing. And um, you know I I was uh, you know fortunate enough to get the the next start against Germany, and um, you know I I you know, the team played really well after, you know, against the game against Russia. And I think, I think it kind of went off from there. And when did you know you were starting the German game? Uh, the night before. Night so, before. Yeah. It was definitely, definitely pretty nerve wracking, right? I mean, um, you definitely, sleep? definitely hard, hard to get some sleep. I, I took some melatonin, so, um, <laughs> it definitely, definitely helped a little bit, but, um, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of nerves going into that game, but, uh, you know, once the puck drops, all the nerves kind of go away and it's just another hockey game, right? So, yeah. And talk to me a little bit about your mental approach. Cause we've seen a few things online about, 
Yeah. Uh, you talking about pressure and how you deal with pressure. So can you tell us a bit more about that and where that comes from? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I know, I know I've been saying it a lot, but I think, uh, you know, every, every time, you know, you have pressure, it's, it's, um, uh, you know, it's a privilege to be in that, uh, you know, opportunity. Right. So, um, I think, I think just going out there, making the most of it and, um, you know, just, uh, I don't know, just, just really making the most of it, like I said, and, um, you know, just going out there, having fun. And I think the biggest thing for me was not, don't change a thing, right. It's just another hockey game and, um, you know, everything will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Have there been other, other games leading up to this that have helped you sort of deal with pressure and get used to um, it? What's your back, background been like that I, way? I haven't actually been in too many like big games. I think, um, you know, before, before this, the Canada Russia series was probably the biggest, the biggest, uh, you know, game for me, but, um, I think just, uh, just really the fact that, uh, you know, my mentality was just that it's just another hockey game. Um, you know, you've been doing this for, for, uh, you know, your whole life. I mean, um, you know, the net's the same size, the puck's the same size, um, you know, just going out there and having fun. That was the biggest thing for me. I mean, um, you know, when you're having fun, I think that's when you're playing your best and, um, you know, that's why you play hockey, right? It's just, just, uh, just for the love of the game. So probably, probably, uh, I think just that those those things for me it was definitely uh you know a big part of you know my success is, is there something you do you know away from the rink to prepare yourself for those things do you have a mental I, training I sort of routine coach. yeah i i actually started um you know working with them since uh since august so um yeah it's obviously been really good for me and um it's definitely a different uh different outcome i mean um you know obviously with being a goalie you're you're uh, you know you're under a lot of spotlight and um, I know sometimes, uh, you know, when you get in your own head, it can be, it can be very challenging, but, um, I think that's, uh, you know, it's good to have a mental coach there and you can talk about things and, and, you know, when you're, whenever you're stressed about, uh, you know, a big game or whatever that you can always, you can always reach out to them and, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, you know, they'll help you out with it. All right. So take us now to the, to the gold medal game. Yeah. And, uh, What's your, what's your pregame routine first? What, what, what are you going through on that first day? What did it look like? Um, obviously the night before was pretty crazy. I mean, um, you know, we just beat Finland and, um, you know, there's a lot of emotions. Um, you know, it's really not sunken in yet, really. I mean, um, it's really, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me was not changing anything. Right. I mean, um, you know, just do the same routine, um, you know, get, so what's that routine look like in the morning? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously get a good night's sleep. And then, um, I think we, we woke up around, I think it was nine o'clock and then, um, you know, had a good breakfast. And then I think we went to the rink. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, you know, we, as a team, we always did, uh, you know, kind of, a you know, a jump around kind of, um, you know, get the blood flowing a little bit. And then, um, I think we went back to the hotel and, um, I had my pregame around, like one thirty, and then I, I napped for like an hour and a half and then, uh, and then, yeah. Impressive. You could do that. What's that? Impressive. You could get that nap yeah, in. I know. Um, usually, usually I can sleep pretty well, um, you know, for naps, but, uh, yeah, I had an hour and a half nap and then, um, went to the rink for, for four. Uh, and then after that, you really, you really just dialed in and you're kind of, uh, your mentality is just, in, it's just another game, but obviously there's, there's a lot more to that. Right. I mean, um, you know, you're just that much more focused and you're, you're obviously just excited. Um, I mean, obviously just before going to the, to the rink, I like, I was watching, uh, you know, some YouTube videos on, 
you know, uh, you know, Canada winning and um, oh, nice. just, uh, you know, them throwing their gloves, uh, you know, when the final, final buzzer went and, um, you know, I was just thinking to myself how, how great that would feel if, uh, you know, that was me. So, um, yeah, I think, I think just going, uh, just going to the rink, I was pretty, I was pretty confident and, um, you know, just, uh, my mentality was just, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and just going out there and, um, like I said before, having fun and, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I've been doing, uh, you know, my pregame, my pregame things, uh, you know, for, for a couple of years now. So it's just kind of, kind of, you know, second knowledge to me. So, um, I think, uh, yeah, just, just going, uh, doing the same, same thing, not changing anything. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's about it. Do you have a couple of things in there that you routinely do? I mean, uh, are you juggling? Are you yeah, doing some I, eye work? I, what are you yeah, doing? I juggled. I juggled a while actually. Um, I was there a bit early, earlier for the game, so I had I had a bit of extra time. So, um, you know, anything just to get your eyes going and um, kind of get kind of get focused. But um, other than that, uh, obviously do obviously do juggling and hand eye stuff for um, you know twenty minutes or so, and then um, obviously obviously your, you know, your off ice warm up and, um, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get your, your body feeling good. And, um, yeah, I think, I think just getting dressed is when you really start, um, preparing and, um, you know, kind of throwing different uh, scenarios in your head of what, what different plays you'd use, um, you know, things like that. But I think once, uh, once the puck drops, I think that's, that's when all the emotions go away and, um, you know, it's just another hockey game. So in terms of those scenarios, you're, sort of visualizing before the game. Has there been a bit of a pre-scout if your coaches worked with you to talk about what yeah. you might be facing that yeah, night? I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, obviously Jason LaBarbera was the goalie coach there and he, he uh, you know, he had a really good job with, uh, you know, me and, you know, Nico and um, Oliver. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, going into that game, we had a little bit of pre-scout. I mean, um, you know, before that game, we, we realized that the Russians like to, you know, use the back of the net a lot. So, um, you know, just kind of, kind of, you know, going, going uh, through scenarios in your head about, um, you know, what you should do. Um, you know, just always having looks, see where, see where everyone is on the ice. And um, yeah, I think like I said before, just another hockey game and, um, you know, don't change a thing and you know what to do. So just another game, but there had to be a few butterflies there. Yeah, exactly. There's definitely, there's definitely a lot of butterflies. <laughs> that's for sure. Was there a time on the ice that you allowed yourself to, to enjoy it and just sort of realize where you were and what you were going Absolutely. through? Yeah, after the, um, actually before, before the puck even dropped, like I took a second just to kind of look around and, um, you know, see the atmosphere with all the, you know, Canada fans and, and the Russian fans. It was, it was really remarkable, but, um, I think the time where I really, really, uh, you know, was fired up was when, uh, you know, Akil scored the, scored the goal there. I was, I was really, uh, I was really fired up about that, but, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, once, yeah. once the puck, once the puck dropped again, I was, I was definitely all focused up again. So, um, it Dude, was that was a ten- that was a tense last three yeah, and a half minutes, it was, though. It was the longest three minutes of my life, that's for sure. You want to give a shout out to the TSN camera today? Yeah, I know that was that was crazy. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine what would have happened if you would have gone down five on three. You would have been fine. Yeah, that was would have been, been pretty nerve wracking. I bet. Um, okay, so what's going through your head? The buzzer sounds. Try can you try and describe for us what that moment's like? I don't know. It's it's really unbelievable. I mean, um, 
it's really just a dream come true. I mean, uh, you know, for me watching, watching the world juniors, you know, growing up and, um, you know, for me being, just being there was a huge honor. And then, um, you know, for me to be lucky enough to, you know, be on the ice when the, when the buzzer rang, it was really, it was really special. And I think, uh, you know, it goes to show with their celebration. I mean, um, I threw my gloves so far and so far and high. And I think, uh, I think everyone else did too. So it was definitely, definitely a moment I'll never forget. Bottom of the dog pile or did you survive that one? No, I think, I think I, I stayed on my feet for the most part, but, uh, yeah, I, it was so loud. I mean, everyone was screaming. So, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely an unbelievable moment. And how was the anthem? It was unbelievable. I mean, uh, you know, I say, I sang it so loud and proud. I think, um, you know, just, just being in that moment, I was so, um, you know, lucky, lucky and privileged to, you know, be a part of Canada and, uh, you know, the run we were on. So it was pretty special. Uh, we were all feeling pretty excited and emotional for you. It was fantastic. Yeah. So we, we first met at an Eli Wilson goaltending camp. And, and as I've said online to a few folks, you sort of were like a big brother to my, my little guy, Matty, yeah. um, who's been mentioned a few times on this podcast because I yeah. can't help it. Um, so I got a couple questions from Matty. I wish he was here yeah, to ask sure. them, but, but he's not right now because it's school time. Um, first thing he wanted to know, do you get to keep a jersey? I did keep a jersey, actually. And another thing for, uh, for, for me that was pretty cool is, um, you know, everyone gets to keep your Canada mask, right? So I think... Oh, that was the next question. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got to keep my Canada mask. So I think it's still sweaty, actually, in my jersey. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. And it's the black one, of course, for everybody yeah, who know. obviously can't see this on I the podcast. I'm going to try and get my helmet here, too. So I got that, and then I got all the guys to sign it on the back. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, just it's kind of nice that it was it was left left the white back plate so I could do that. So yeah, that's a great idea. So so Maddie, question number two actually was, what's it like switching helmets? Because you're normally a CCM guy and you yeah. had to wear Bauer for this. You know, it was definitely a little bit of a uh, you know a challenge to get switched up from the CCM. And I think um, the biggest thing for me was um, with the with this mask is this bar. This bar right yep. here is like right in the middle of like your sight with the CCM mask. So like I had to like have my head like a bit higher on this mask too. So it was definitely that's a pretty big adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's definitely hard. I think I have my CCM on here too. So once, once like the tournament started, I was definitely used to it by then. But, but yeah, I think the, the eye holes are definitely different for the CCM one. Once, so once I got used to it though, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad though. Or maybe let you wear a cat eye like all the other guys. I know. I think cat eyes look unbelievable, right? I mean, I don't did you get that for training camp in St. Louis? No, I didn't. No, I never did. I was just, that's just what I, like I use this uh, mask in, in Portland, right? So I think, and I think I used it all summer too. So I just, I just used what I was, what I was comfortable with. But I think this summer, I think this summer I'll, I'll try and I'll try out a cat eye and see how it works. Good for the photos, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. I think they look unbelievable. So Maddie, question number two, um, did you get to design the gear that you got there? And if you did, when did that start? Yeah. I mean, um, obviously it, it was the same, it was the same gear for, so Portland. Uh, for the, uh, for my Portland gear. So I, I was just, uh, I was, I just told them I want the same specs and everything. So I didn't even bother, um, really designing anything. I mean, um, my just thought process was, um, you know, the gears working. So, so I changed it. Right. Pretty sweet setup. Nico had though. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, um, I think I think he said that uh, in Guelph, his uh, 
his GM doesn't let him have like solid color gear. So I think that's okay. what he, he went all red. Right on. Give me something to think about for Portland for the rest yeah, of the year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maddie question number three, what's it like on the ice? Because we all know hockey players trash talk each other out there. What's it like when everybody speaks a different language? Are they just chirping you in their own language? Um, that's actually funny you say that because uh, in uh, in Ostrava in the rink, uh, when you leave the ice, there's like two hallways, mm-hmm. and uh, and then like one one team has to wait for the other to pass. And so like whenever we would pass, like the Russians would always say like some Russian stuff, and then. We'd say it back in Canadian. I don't think anyone like understood what was going on, but there was definitely some trash talk there. That's for sure. Just probably wishing you good luck and telling you to have yeah, a good day. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm definitely not a trash talker, right? I don't, I don't really get into that, um, that kind of stuff. But I know there's definitely some guys on the team that you know are into that. Any of the guys out there speaking English to you? Um, yeah, uh, Alexandrov is. Uh, he's also drafted to St. Louis, so. Um, he's oh, that's right. Good. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he's pretty. Uh, he's good English. So, um, yeah, we uh, we spoke kind of kind of briefly after the game, and um, you know, just had a good game, and um, you know, just wish some luck for the rest of the year. See so. you in camp. Yeah, See you in exactly. camp. Right? Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time with us today, Joel. Yeah, hope hope no it's not the last one. You're uh, you're the first junior goaltender ever to make it on the uh, on the show, that's and all awesome. it took was a world championship. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No, no, really appreciate it. Uh, any any last words for the kids out there who are pushing towards this? Yeah, just just all to keep dreaming and um, you know just keep working hard. And I think uh, you know if you're if you're that driven to you know to uh, you know to get get to your goal and um, you know you work hard and um, you don't complain. Just go out there and have fun. And I think I think uh, you know things will go in your way. Congratulations again, thanks, Joel a lot. Hofer, world champion. Good luck the rest of the way in Portland. Thanks a lot, Hutch. See you later. That backplate will be a really cool keepsake, and uh, funny enough that uh, that it just ended up the perfect uh, perfect color white backplate, and it's got all the signatures on it. And he's a world champion, and he's a guy that's uh, that's making his way. And there's something about St. Louis right now, where you you go from uh, underdog and uh, and to the top of the mountain, Hutch. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And I take it he's got a, a pretty good relationship with Jordan Bennington as well, who you're obviously alluding to. Uh, fantastic young men, similar personalities in the sense that, uh, they're both very quiet, soft-spoken guys. I I haven't seen quite that biting sense of humor that we all get to enjoy of Jordan's, but, um, but yeah, um, similar sort of stoic guys and, 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 uh, and he's just been, been a really good influence in our lives for the last several years. Uh, as I think I alluded to in the interview, uh, we met Joel for the first time about three summers ago in Toronto at uh, one of Eli Wilson's uh, prospects camps where I was doing some work and my son Maddie was a student and uh, and Joel sort of took him under his wing and and as he did with everybody it's 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 really interesting you get a sense at these camps I mean there are some kids that are up and comers there's usually half a dozen or eight uh, Western Hockey League goaltenders there and then sort of everything in between but but you know you know who the guys are that are are real players and Joel's obviously uh, one of the premier guys on the ice and yet, and yet everybody's the same and, uh, and, and everybody opens up to everybody. Everybody shares the same way. And Joel was as open as anybody, uh, from 
almost the entire time taking Maddie into his little training group uh, on, on the ice so that they were sharing a net um, just about the entire time over those three different summers uh, to hanging out and playing video games together to we almost even Kevin hit the uh, hit the golf course but for an Edmonton summer thunderstorm we were going to play 18 holes together this summer um so so fantastic guy uh who's been working I know with Eli for uh for many years beyond those 3 years but but also like any good good goaltender who is really trying to improve their game uh he's got a number of guys that he's worked with as well so that's not to take all the credit for Eli although obviously is a significant guy in Joel's life uh I know, Kevin, you've talked to a few people about this as well. Well, I know, I mean, Darren mentioned the St. Louis Blues, but I think kudos go to Dave Rogalski as well, not just for, you know, I'm sure they've, they've, I know they've done some work and have conversations on the regular as well, but, you know, for being one of the driving forces, as I understand it, for, for spending that pick on, on Joel Hofer, fourth round pick and one that looks increasingly um, like it, it could pay off for the St. Louis Blues. So a hat tip to him. Uh, and you got to give credit, uh, you know, I think, um, you know, frankly, to Hockey Canada um, for not being stubborn. Um, right. Joel was not invited to the Program of Excellence camp, has never been a Hockey Canada guy, was not invited to the Program of Excellence camp this summer that I worked at. Um, but I know that there were some goalie coaches there, particularly ones that worked in the Western Hockey League, um, that had the courage to speak up and, you know, say to some of the selection personnel that they felt he should have been there and made sure he was on the spotlight, uh, on the radar. And then the rest, of course, is up to him. He has a great start with the Portland Winterhawks. And hey, what do you know? Another in-goal podcast connection. Andy Moog, who we had on the podcast, his goaltending coach down with the Portland Winterhawks, probably did some, you know, obviously played a role in it as well. You talk about all those different people Mm -hmm. that touch a goaltender over the years, Hutch. And Joel has a great first half. And, you know, again, maybe it's too much to say give them credit. But I think there were other goalies that were also having good seasons um, that came through the program that they could have picked. And, you know, to put my Hockey Canada hat on, as I literally am wearing it as we talk, um, you know, to choose two guys in Dawes and Hofer that were from outside of the program and to admit that, hey, maybe we made a mistake not inviting them, but these are the guys that deserve to go and deserve to play ahead of, you know, Ollie Rodrigue, who has been in the program for several years. I think that's. I think you deserve credit for not being stubborn, not just saying these were our guys, these were our guys. Let's uh, let's let's just accept that these guys who haven't been with us every summer for the last three are playing better right now, and they're our best option, and it pays off in a gold medal. Yeah, and in the end, uh, the the real foundation in that is the fact that Joel steps up and wins the gold medal. Otherwise, you're second guess, right? Like it all it all does come back to the performance in the in the moment, and and he wins the gold medal and. And, and justifies that uh, that risk uh, reward. And all season too, right? Like, cause right. it's one thing to have a bunch of coaches say, hey, this kid should have been here at the camp. He should be on the radar. But if he doesn't have a great first half of the season, yeah, there's no chance to it. pick him. Absolutely. And again, we talk about all these guys and all these, at the end of the day, credit to the kid. Because obviously, Hutch, you've had pers- personal firsthand experience. Sounds like he's a hell of a kid. And as he, we saw at the, at the uh, tournament, he can be a hell of a goaltender. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I just love being able to share the story for all the kids that are listening to this. And I know there's parents and their kids on the way to the rink right now listening to the podcast. Uh, I just love Joel's story because as he told us, he didn't play AAA hockey till he was 16 years old. Incredible. And, you know, and he he didn't give up the dream. I mean, not not that he was ever, 
you know, I'm, I'm sure he was always an excellent goaltender and, and, and showed some signs. So it's, it's not like he was persevering through hard times, but his development curve was a little bit different than everybody else's and that's okay. So, you know, if you're not that triple A goaltender at age 12, it doesn't mean anything, frankly. And, and great for Joel for being that example for everybody. And I don't know, maybe that's why he's got a soft spot for the, for the young kids on the ice. I don't know. I love the different path. Uh, in goal premium, how are things going? They're going fantastic. It's uh, steady growth. We I love when that uh, when the email client sort of beeps and that lets us know that somebody else has joined. And I feel like Pavlov's dog every time that happens. And great to see the community <laughs> growing, um, starting to have some interactions with people online as a result. And I'm really enjoying that. We've got some new stuff up since our last podcast, uh, you know, as we do every week. Um, we mentioned last time we had the new Ask the In Goal Dad our in goal goalie dad uh, column. And we've got an experienced writer who's got a couple of high level goaltenders answering the questions there. So if you do have any questions, if you're a goalie parent and, you, and you'd like to talk to somebody who's uh, maybe a little more experienced or has been through the grind like you, I'd encourage you to email goalie dad at ingoalmag.com. Uh, so there's one up there about uh, somebody who's struggling with their, their son getting unequal playing time in, in a P, on a peewee AAA team and how to approach that. So that's one example. We've got a fantastic drill up there. Um, Woody's often seen lurking around the glass at Canucks practices, and he had his uh, iPhone out one day and and got an interesting little drill, which he then got a chance to talk to uh, Vancouver goaltending coach Ian Clark about. So we've shared that on the site. Um, podcast interviews are up there a little bit early, including one for next week's podcast. We thought we were going to be having... Robin Lehner on this week's, but we've decided to hang on to that interview until next week uh, because we had the chance to talk to Joel. So, um, but that is up for our premium members. Um, the pro read segment has been really popular, and uh, this week that's uh, my favorite part. I'm yeah, not gonna lie to you. That's I my know, part. and and I think to celebrate uh, Woody being attacked by a shark in Hawaii, we've got a shark doing a pro read this week, and Martin Jones, <laughs> um, Martin Jones looking at a at a. a for me, I still can't get over the defensive coverage in this example. So go take a look at that one and, and we can all curse the defensive coverage together. Um, some, some pro gear stuff, I think with, uh, with Jake Allen, just a whole lot of stuff coming up. And, and we've also got an article going up uh, in the next 24 hours or so. Another mindset article from Pete Fry, who talks about visualization and the power of it. Um, so lots of great stuff there. Um, Woody, you probably have a few other things in the pipe for us as well. Just a promise that there's lots more pro drill content coming. Uh, a correction, it's not an iPhone. I actually take a professional video camera down and peep through the glass there, Hutch. So we're, we, we've evolved. Uh, and you found the on button? Hey. I, <laughs> the on button, it's the big red one I figured out. It did take me a little while, but we do have a 4K digital camera recording. it. That's why it looks so good. Uh, that's why I can ship it to Hutch and have him do all that excellent production value work that he does. We've got a bunch more of those coming. Some more with Stefan Waite and Charlie Lindgren. Uh, some with uh, Pierre Gru and Craig Anderson. Um, my apologies. Some of those I wanted to have up a little sooner, but I went and swam with sharks. But we're getting there. Um, Hutch has been keeping everything going, uh, keeping that cog going. And if you're an Ingle uh, Premium subscriber and you've got some questions or suggestions, don't hesitate to send us the feedback. Um, pretty cool. I think Hutch said we have been getting feedback. We got one this week from a Finnish coach that watched um, our video with Linda Blumquist and Sweden and the invention of the RVH. And he actually sent us some video of sort of what he calls an active hands RVH. 
and we're actually working through an article right now. This is a guy who works with pro goaltenders at all and at all different levels in Finland on the way they're trying to maintain active hands through RVH and and through post play sequences. And so here wow. we've got coaches from different countries now playing off each other within the pages of In Goal Premium. So a pretty cool kind of experience and a pretty good access for goalies everywhere to see, you know, coaches from all over the place, include right up to the NHL, uh, how they coach, how they work and some drills and things that from what we hear, Hutch, people are taking them away and using them on the ice. Like we're not just parents and volunteer coaches with youth teams, but even beer leaguers telling us they're getting better as a result of watching this stuff. Yeah, really, really exciting. And it's just going to keep growing and growing. My best interaction of the week, I have to say, though, is more about the podcast. It wasn't really about premium, although he will be reading premium soon, uh, was one of our listeners who tuned in to NHL TV and was excited to see that the guy who became famous on the In Goal Radio podcast is now on TV. Congratulations, yes. Darren. Thank you. Uh, I, I, it has really come full circle. 50, 51 weeks uh, and, and now... Now I am known as the hey, that's the in goal guy. How, so that's how, the in goal guy. So how, how many he get years on my TV? How many yeah. years did you have to practice on television before you could become famous on this podcast? Uh, twenty five, and you know what? It was twenty five hard years of of really fine tuning my craft, and and now I I feel like I've uh, I've really uh, ascended to the top of the mountain. It's Tw- it's good. Twenty five years I, till an overnight success. I, I, it's kind of cool, though, that, it's, uh, that people it's exciting. know it's exciting and, for this. And, you know, kudos to, to the guy. I'm not going to name him because I don't want to embarrass anybody. Um, he actually has nothing to be embarrassed about because he didn't have no, access why? to Sportsnet no. where, where you grew up before moving down to Vegas. So um, it's just awesome that we have somebody listening to this. So we know we have one listener in the United States, at least. We have uh, we have a lot. I told you about uh, going to the theater and the, uh, the yeah, kid, that's right. Uh, uh, Jacob knew knew the brand, knew the Ingle uh, magazine. You, you, Woody, you'll have to listen to last week's episode. I'm not sure you listen to episodes that you're not on, but uh, but you should really try. It was uh, it was a hell of an episode, hell you know, of a hell of a production. The fact I'm not on it, I actually do need to go back and listen to it <laughs> because I can. I don't know about you guys, I cannot listen to my own voice. It just makes me cringe. But the fact I got a week off, I, I, I promise, boys, I'll go back and listen to it. Only reason I haven't is since I got back, I've been sick and busy trying to catch up, making sure I get Hutch some more content for the Ingle Premium. Oh, uh, Woody's sick and busy. I'm sick and tired. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm just ill. Uh, let's uh, wrap uh, this one up. Uh, congratulations on uh, the continued growth of Ingle Premium uh, for David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. I'm Darren Millard. Uh, thanks for listening. George. And Joel connected in the crease and both with their own unique stories and both should be very proud of what they've done for the wide world of goaltending. 